The first play we watch for the fellowship is called Uapau, which in Hawaiian means it is over or is destroyed. At the center of this story is Alika Kealoha and his family. And we're tracing this family's struggle to survive in Hawaii through all kinds of obstacles and financial difficulties and family difficulties. Um, and they try to do that through the, the strength and the help of their culture. And they also try to do it as they, they avoid compromising uh, their culture in order to survive in Hawaii. Um, it's actually the third play in a trilogy. And if you read the very first play, um, which came out in 1994, one of the very first things that we hear Alika say in that, in, at the beginning of the story is the word aloha. Uh, and he yells it out um, from a tourist bus. He's working for a tourism company. And the way that that word is used at the beginning, it's sort of the fake aloha. It's sort of the aloha that uh, might be part of the commercial environment of Hawaii. It's the aloha that is used uh, to entice tourists and to simplify Hawaii to a simple uh, idea, uh, to a superficial idea. Uh, but then that idea gets carried through the three plays into Uapau, uh, and it's explored in all its richness. And it seems that to me, the plays are trying to uh, figure out uh, with the audience, what does that word really mean and how can it be recovered and applied to living in Hawaii today? Uh, so before we go any further, I wanted you to hear Alani Apio himself talking about the concept of, of aloha. Uh, and maybe that'll help us get into uh, some of our responses to the play. Uh, and he's going to just tell a story from, from his childhood. And this, by the way, is courtesy of, of Civil Beat, uh, one of our nonprofit uh, media outlets here in Honolulu. My father told me that when my, grand, my <clears throat> paternal grandparents were married, they were married here, and my grandfather, for their honeymoon, decided he would take my grandmother to Hilo, go holo holo Hilo, and go uh, stay at a hotel in Hilo. So they got on the plane, and they went over to Hilo in the 1930s. And they land there, and they're standing out at the curb at Hilo, uh, Hilo Airport in the 1930s. Nobody's around. Nobody's there. They're waiting for the cab. There's a Hawaiian couple who were on the plane with them. They're watching my grandparents and wondering, what are these guys waiting for? What's up? Who are they? And so they come up to my grandparents and ask them, what are you doing here? What are you looking for? Who's, who's coming to pick you up? My grandparents say, oh, we've come over here for our honeymoon. We're waiting for a cab to go to the hotel. We're going to celebrate here. And Uncle Willie Ka'avaloa and Auntie Minnie Ka'avaloa tell them, there's no, there's no cabs in Hilo. And there's no hotel to go to. Come stay with us. Come stay with us. Auntie Minnie, who has passed away, and Uncle Willie, who have passed away, were uh, treasures. They were celebrated and respected 
Hawaiian kupuna who were known for their fishing and their weaving. And they lived down in Kalapana. And they took my grandparents in. So much so, they hanaid them to the point where when my father and his siblings grew up, Grandma and Grandpa would send them to go stay with Auntie Minnie and Uncle Willie in Kalapana. And then when we come along, when I come along, I don't know who we're going to visit, but we're going to visit Ohana in Kalapana. And so I get to go down and have that experience. These are generations of families that are connecting because that's what we do. It's like, you don't know where you are? Come inside. We're going to take care of you. One of the themes that students reacted to strongly on their initial impressions of the play were the complexities of tourism and maybe some of the consequences of the way that part of our economy works that we are not fully aware of or don't see uh, right away as we participate in aspects of this economy. of this play is that I think it is honestly a really great play to watch. Um, this play um, captured me also at the point of the tourism. I feel like tourism definitely destroyed Hawaiian homes. Um, I learned about the tourism thing in my Hawaiian history class last semester and I cannot view Waikiki as the same as I did a few years ago. I just don't want to even go there anymore. Is that there was a connection between how Stevie felt that tourism was taking over the islands, but they couldn't get away from the tourism just like technology, how we're learning in English 200, that you can't get away from technology, but you have to find a way and find that balance to be able to have technology, but not let it overrun your life, just like tourism, and to be able to not get rid of the tourism because it's not, it's not going away, but being able to find that balance. As the story begins, Alika's family is starting to crack under financial pressure. Just the hardships are beginning to suff suffocate the family. And that sets up the need to try to figure something out, even if it means selling uh, their land and working for the tourism company that maybe is compromising uh, their culture. Um, you see the strain slowly take a tremendous toll on the family. One of Alika's cousins commits suicide Another ends up going to jail um, for the very ironic reason of trespassing, uh, just being on his own land after it's been sold. And so he ends up being arrested uh, for trespassing, uh, not fully aware of what's happened. Uh, so it's not just the loss of the land that, that the plays portray, but it's also the loss of the culture, which is inseparable uh, from the land and the lives of the people. 
And that's the, the ultimate tragedy, I think, of, of the plays that leads us into Uapau. So here's Alani Apio one more time, courtesy of Civil Beat, talking about the dynamic between Hawaiian culture uh, and Hawaii's modern economy, largely driven by tourism, uh, which is straining what that culture really means and how people interact with it. The brutal irony is that this state sells aloha. We sell the core of Hawaiian culture and the home of the indigenous people of these islands as our primary economic driver while simultaneously criminalizing the ability of those very kanaka to live in their ancestral homeland. And we are allowing that minute by minute, day by day. And I stay out there with them in different places in Kaka'ako, Mo'ili'ili, Waianae, and I'm reminded like, of the aloha that they know how to show each other. That goes all the way back to when my grandparents showed up in Hilo and had no idea what they were doing. And Auntie Minnie and Uncle Willie were not rich, but they took them in and they fed them. And if you go out to Waianae, they're not rich in the context of what America calls rich. But I'll tell you, there's a greater reason for living and we're forgetting that. We're, like, we're living to take care of each other. I mean, I, I don't know why everybody else is around, but I got taught as like, what you alive for? Take care of each other. Enjoy each other's uh, presence. Celebrate each other. Like, we only got a few short moments on this earth Take care of each other, love each other, show Allah. Students notice the cultural damage that Alika's family suffers, but they also notice the psychic damage that comes along with that. The psychic damage that has been passed down from one generation to the next generation and how that's also slowly tearing at the seams uh, of this family. And a, a big part of how we see this in Huapau is through the character of Stevie. She returns from college uh, in the mainland, and she is the daughter of one of the uncles that committed suicide that Alika adopts as her own. And because of his decision to sell the family's land, that makes it possible for her to go to college and to get that entryway into the modern economy. But at what cost? Um, as Stevie returns, she's this millennial uh, that's coming back to uh, coming back home to be with her family. Uh, she returns and she's kind of surveying the situation and seems to be really trying to understand what have been the consequences of the things that have happened in her family's past. She's trying to understand her father. She's trying to understand uh, her family, and she's trying to understand uh, the history of what has happened. Hi, my name is Noel Yoshimoto, and here are my first impressions after watching Old Pow. 
a character that really stood out to me was Alika because of his nature. He wanted to like help his family, but at the same time, it meant like sacrificing his own people. And so he really just wanted to do what he thought was right. But I think he was just torn up in his own emotions. And that really just got to me. Hi, my name is Maisie. And these are my first impressions on the play Uapau. Um, so one of the predominant thoughts that I had after watching the play was that the characters could really benefit from like going to therapy because there were a lot of painful events that happened to this family and I feel like a lot of the characters were dealing with um, unprocessed feelings and there was like a lot of suppressed pain and anger and not to mention like self-loathing and grief that could really be worked through if they went to therapy. Um, but then I also think about how it'd be unlikely because of when the play was set and like the hyper masculine masculinity that um, especially the el older generations um, supported, I guess, because especially for males, if you show your emotions, then you're weak and they'll call you like slurs and all of that. At what point in a conversation between Alika and his cousin Michael, uh, who's been to jail and who's had a chance to reflect on uh, what has happened to his family and has tried to find some level of peace with what's happened and some level of self-healing, they have a conversation in which they explore a really interesting quote and the quote is that there's no brown and white in the world. It's uh, another version of, of black and white in a Hawaiian context. Uh, and so that was one of the quotes that we asked our students to reflect on. Uh, what does the quote mean to them? No brown versus white. How does that relate to their lives? And in general we also asked students to explore uh, in addition to the very specific themes related to Hawaii that they saw in the play, what universal themes uh, they saw, and just what they thought about going to the theater in general and being immersed in these wonderful stories um, and the overall benefit of the experience. Hello, this is Howard with KCC, and I'll be answering one of the short phrases. Life ain't as simple and easy as brown and white, which means it's not one or the other side, brown or white. It could be a mixture of both. It could be a little bit of both. It could be a compromise of both. We could get together. We could figure it out. There's ways past the tension. Brown and white means nothing. You My name is Aaron, and I'm from the KCC English 100 class. This provides a message that there are a lot of different cultures and races in the world, and sometimes it's not as simple as just one way. This quote is relevant to me because in today's world, I often see this in the news or even firsthand between strangers. But this also helps me to realize that since there are a lot of differences, we should respect everyone's way of living.
My name is Dana. My first impressions of Uopao is that it was very different from any other play that I have ever seen. There was a lot of drama, real life experiences, and violence. I liked Uopao because it showed some of the challenges that we all face, no matter what our generation is, like infidelity and being caught, and how some react and cope with it, having a child when you feel like you're not ready and not capable of taking care of another person, or like how some people react to different situations and express their anger and concerns. Overall, I really enjoyed the play, and it it made me think a lot about the place that I call home, and if it is really a place, or if it's more of a feeling, or the people around me that really make it that.